And when they kicked at my room door, they were hollering, get out, get out. And I went to scream, oh, what's going on, what's going on? And so I went to shaking on my boyfriend, telling him, get out. By the time he opened his eyes, they grabbed him and threw him on the floor and put the handcuffs on him and walked him out with just his boxers on and put him in the car and took him on. Hi, I'm Aisha Adams, and I'm going to be sharing some intriguing cases with you. And I want to know if you feel justice was served or not. Welcome to the very first episode of Justice or Nah. I'm your host, Aisha Adams, and if you've been following my blog for a while, you may have stumbled across a post titled, Alabama, How They Used a No-Knock Warrant to Him of Janice Green. This case is near and dear to me, and of course, I wanted to do an episode about Janice. But I wanted to tell you the entire story. And what you may not know about Janice's story is that the day that Janice was arrested, so was her daughter, Selena, and Selena's boyfriend. And this is how Selena Ford says it all went down. I was laying over in the bed with just my, I had some panties on and a bra when they came in. I was um, I was telling please please what's going on who y'all live Lord please don't kill me please don't kill me what's wrong what's wrong who y'all live He was standing on I, the little short one I, I I don't know his name He was standing over my bed He would just point I said sir please my baby right there please please what's going on 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 and the one, that little woman walked in there. She said, that's a child. Remove your gun. He, she said, refrain back. That's a child. Refrain back. She said, who child? I said, it's mine. She said, Where, where's the child bottle? I say, she's not on a bottle. She's on a pacifier. She said, shut her up. I said, she's scared. She told me to shut my baby up. I told her she's scared. She's scared. What's going on? What's going on? So I'm I'm trying to put my baby in my arm. Um, the FBI or the state police? Who this 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 right here is ABI. Okay. And what does ABI say for? Alabama Bureau of Investigation. Okay. Right here. That's the one that came in. Mm-hmm. So, so identify, ma'am. I'm such and such and such and such. Whose baby is this? Or no, she said that she told him when I say she heard the baby crying and he's standing up. She told them to refrain back. That's a child. She said, "Who baby is this?" I said, "She's mine." She said, "Shut her up." I said, "She's scared. She's scared. Where's her body?" I said, "She don't suck your pants." So I grabbed the baby pacifier, put my baby pacifier in her mouth. I was grabbing my baby. The officer. That's his name. Grab my baby out my hand. And he said, get up out this bed. 
I got a put bed outside. I said, what's wrong? Who are y'all? Who are y'all? Law enforcement, law enforcement. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? She said, then that's when she, uh, she said, you got someone you can call? Do you have someone you can call to come and get the kids? Then that's when they say, uh, yeah, because it's two in the back right here. She said, you got someone you can call? I said, yes, ma'am. So I was trying to get my phone. The other officer said, no, he was going to dial the number. So he got the phone, and he was. And I gave him my cousin number for him. I would give him my mama number. She said, no need to do that because we at her house too. So I started calling my cousin. I'm out gazing at my cousin. I'm saying, please don't come get my baby. What's wrong? What's going on? So she was like, um, just sit down, have a seat. Sit down, have a seat. And I said, ma'am, oh, Lord, please, what's going on? What's going on? Please tell me something. And she said, just sit down and have a seat. Uh, we searching the house. Do you have any weapons in the house? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't own no gun. Nothing here. Ain't nothing here. So they, they tore up my whole house. I'm sitting inside the chair with just my bra and my panties on. She didn't let you put on any clothes? No, she did not let me put on no clothes. No clothes. When she took me out on the porch at first, she took me out on the porch and my bra and my panties. You know, when I'm looking something... Like, the first person I want to call is my mom. So what ran through your head when they was like, no need to call her? I was trying to figure out what's going on. What's going on? And I was so nervous. So what I had just had, my surgery wasn't even a month old. And what the surgery had you had? Um, I had to, I had to get an ablation. I got the back of my ovaries cut. Um, so I did an ablation. So I was so nervous, too. I start. I mean, it's. Not my, I mean, I just started back bleeding. Blood just started running all down my leg. She go and holler, oh, you you laying in your bed with your cycle on without no clothes on? And I was like, no, ma'am. I said, I just had surgery. I just had a surgery. And she was like, ugh, you people. And she told me, come on here. She grabbed me by my arm. And walked me back in the house and sat me right back in the chair. With blood coming down my leg. So I'm sitting on crying. I'm trying to figure out what's going on, what's going on. They searching my house. Grabbing, I had like four laptops in my house. They grabbed all four of the laptops, grabbed all the cell phones. If you were bleeding, like free bleeding is a thing. A, and B, it's your house, your bed, your pen, it's your life. So if you were, like, that wasn't for her to comment on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And she was like, um, so they sat me down or whatever. Mr. again, he was like, Miss Lapsley, Miss Lapsley. I was like, no, my name is Ford. He was like, well, you're Lapsley on your ID. And I was like, sir, he was like, um, I'm going to let you throw on you something and throw on you something quick. No play. No play. And I was like, what I do? What? So I was like, he was like, oh, I tell you what, give, give yourself something comfortable because you're going to take it straight out. So I was like, just look at my drawer. Just get out my nightgown. So they put on my nightgown for me. They had to unhook my hands, put on my nightgown. And they took me on to Greensburg. They came to the jail that they took me to. And it was like, 
uh, do you know what you're here for? And I was like, no, what's going on? And she was like, we got a few questions for you. And I was like, what's going on? I ain't doing anything. So what's going on? The whole time, she going to tell me, you better take that smirk and smile off your face because you're gone for a long time. And I was like, but what I do, I'm I'm, I'm locked up. It was actually my first time ever being locked up. So I'm, I'm like, y'all got me here. What did I do? Tell me what I do. Do you want to tell me about what's going on? I was like, no, what's supposed to be going on? I don't know. I mean, me and my mom went to Tuscaloosa yesterday, and we ran into this girl that was standing out on the road with all her groceries. She was crying. She had, somebody left her at the Walmart, and we took her home. I mean, we took her back inside her house, and we made sure she was home safe. Ain't nothing happened to her, did it? was wrong. That's how I'm asking the woman that's talking to me. Then she said, well, we charge you with conspiracy to commit murder. I said, oh, woo. And she called holler, judge. So I said, judge. For what? Judge. And um, district attorney. So let me ask you a question. When she was telling you, she was basically telling you, like, what the charge was. Did you fully understand what the charge was? Like, you knew what conspiracy to commit? No. no. Uh, I was asking her, what you talking about? Oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then when you told the people's names, did you um, did you know who they were immediately? Yeah, I knew who they was immediately. Okay. I knew who they was immediately. That's the judge that was on my grandmother's case. And the DA that that been having this pick with my family for years. What Selena didn't realize was this had all started with her family. According to court documents, she had gotten into an argument with her cousin, Chris, a trucker, a week or so before all of this about an 18-wheeler being parked in her yard. Things got out of hand. He was shooting in the air. He got up on my car and hit the back of my car tapped the back of my car with his truck. He was driving a trans for a truck. When he got up on it, no, he wasn't going fast. No, he had just pulled out my yard. He was mad because I told him to move his truck, his 18-wheeler, off of my driveway because you keep breaking my driveway, and I got to keep paying these people to fix my driveway. Move your truck. So when he moved, he was, like, in a rage. When he pulled out, he seen my car, and he tapped the back of my car. But, you know, okay, so cousins don't fight, right? Yes. But shooting the gun in the air is a lot, or is that? Yes, he shot the gun in the air. And, see, the the point when he shot the gun in the air, my brother and my cousin and my baby was sitting in my car. Oh, okay. So we, I went to the, instead of me arguing him, me and my mom and my aunt went to the police department on him. We did a police report on him. The witness that was coming up in another vehicle that saw him had came, and she came up to the police department, and she told them, yeah, she just witnessed. She just seen this boy go crazy. After he touched the car, he tapped the back of my car, threw his wheel on around, and went down the road shooting in the air. So that's exactly how she explained it to the chief. So what were you thinking? Were you scared? 
Yeah, I was scared because my, my him, we listen, baby. He on he was on no drugs at the time, and when you putting all that stuff up your nose, honey, you can't be doing anything. And he want no cousins that don't play. Period. So he, he just shot the gun up in the air and drove off. You scared? Your your brother in the car. The baby's in the car. Your uh, boyfriend's in the car. You outside the car, and he's shooting in the air. You go mm-hmm. to the police station, and then what happens after that? We go to the police t- uh, station, do our report. The police uh, picked him up, arrest him. He made bond. When they got him out, the next day prior to he getting out, he called Alabama Bureau of Investigation. Hey, uh, I need to talk to um, I got to let her know that somebody's trying to kill the judge and kill her that sentenced my auntie Rita. So, boom, that's right down her ass. She hear Rita name. Oh, uh, the family member right down there. Okay, yeah. Well, I need you to come to Selma, Alabama, to the federal courthouse. Okay, you get down. He get down now. They got him on recorder saying that he was sitting inside the house with me and my mom and my boyfriend at my mom's house. And we were sitting in the living room. We were discussing on um, my boyfriend sitting on top of the courthouse to shoot the judge when they take my grandmother back to court. And he over here, because he would have to move the furniture at my mom's house, he overhearing us saying that we were going to kill the judge in the DA. So you was there too, Mr. Kenny? Yes, I was there. That's what he said. And y'all was at the home of who? We was at the home. Uh, my cousin Janice Green, and who all was there? Uh, her daughter Selena Ford, and her daughter boyfriend Myron Tubbs. And what was the plan? Selena's supposed to have bought Myron a gun so he could stand on top of the courthouse and shoot the judge in the DA when they walks out. And what Janice say? Janice was the one to tell them how to shoot the judge and what to do to the DA. She said, make sure you blow her fucking head off her shoulder. That's what he told the people. Now, two days after you had us in custody, y'all contacted his job. His job told them there's no way possible that he could have been there during that time or two months prior to that time because he was over the road and he was in California, from California to Mississippi. There's no way possible that he could have been in Alabama when all his loads and clock in time was counted for. So they knew two days after this. They could have just dismissed it and dropped it. No. Remember at the start of all of this, I told you that Selena's charges were linked to her mom's case. 
If you want to know more about Janice's case, I've linked an article I wrote a few years ago about her case in Selena's case notes at justiceornot.com. Here's where it gets sticky. When Selena and Chris got into that altercation about the driveway, Chris didn't just shoot in the air. He also made threats, threats that terrified Janice. She was so afraid she went to the police. Meanwhile, her husband boarded up the windows and he also brought in a hunting rifle that Selena had brought for Christmas. When ABI followed up on Chris's claims and attempted to enter Janice's home, similarly to the way they did Selena's home, Janice thought it was Chris and shot a bullet in the air. And here's the stickler. According to court documents, Chris recants. He says he made up the entire murder conspiracy. And although Selena and her mom can't be prosecuted on those conspiracy charges, the damage is already done. Janice, Selena, and her boyfriend are all charged because Janice has a previous tax felony and she wasn't supposed to have access to a gun. You had a firearm at your mom's house. What, what does that mean? Because you are is it called... Never they call it transferring a firearm to a convicted felon. That's what's my charge. So I went feds due to the fact that when they asked me about the firearm, I told them the actual truth. That, yeah, me and Myron purchased the firearm, prior, I mean, two years prior to whatever y'all trying to say. We purchased a firearm. We gave the firearm, I, not we, I, Lena, gave the firearm to my dad as a gift for Christmas. So, yeah, the firearm was in my mom's house. The question was, well, did you know your mom was a convicted felon? Yes, I knew my mom was a convicted felon, but I didn't know that she didn't supposed to be around a firearm. She wasn't on probation or nothing. So I didn't know that she wasn't supposed to be around a firearm. I mean, at that point in time, I thought, as long as you're not on probation or whatever, you can't be around a firearm. Or not just you being around it, because I'm not even thinking about you being around it. I'm thinking that I know that my dad likes to hunt, and what better gift to get your father for Christmas is a gun during deer season, hunt season. Okay, so you got the gun as a hunting gear. Yeah. How often does he hunt? I mean, he don't hunt at all no more. But, um, yeah, nothing at all no more. But at that point in time, that was like his first actual gun to say that he had for himself. Okay. You know, and he was happy about his gun. You know, that's all when he used to go hunt or whatever. Because my dad worked 24-7. So the little time that he was had to do anything, he tried he take the best steps to it. You know, this the issue they was scratching to me, and that I never get, and I don't think you will get it neither. You're not supposed to buy a firearm for anyone else but yourself, right? Okay, that's what they say. But how is that so when they allow you to go in the store and buy firearms for your your teenagers that coming up to hunt with? 
that allow you to go get firearms and you can sell your firearm to somebody else after you bought it. So how is that so that you're not supposed to buy a firearm and give it away? Well, I understand that because I read a lot of, about the law and I don't ever want to cross the police and I wouldn't want to be the stop. Like, I wouldn't buy a firearm for somebody else because it's such a big responsibility to own a firearm. Like, I don't own a firearm. But I have to learn that about my neighbors. My neighbors, they're buying their kids guns, right? Because that's their culture. They hunt. Mm-hmm. And so I know what you're saying is true, and I'm just saying because of my culture, I wouldn't do that. But the culture of, hey, we buy guns for each other is very true. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I I wouldn't do it, but I do understand that people do do it, and I believe a lot of my neighbors do it specifically. Right, and like I pointed out to my, my attorney at that time, I said, you tell me that the judges that have sons, and that hunt, you you point one out to me that haven't put a gun in their child's hand yet. Point one out to me. You can't point that out to me. You can't tell me that it's a law state that I ain't supposed to have bought a gun to turn it over into my dad's name. He's not a convicted felon. He's not missing. So that's not against the law for me to give him a gun. Did you take a plea or did you have your day in court? Um, for the gun, I had to take a plea. Mm-hmm. Girl, I would have lost that. So ain't no way in the world I was going to get 10 years of my life for something that I did. I did train. I did bring the gun to my mom's house. So there wasn't no lie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I had to take a plea. I had to give a plea on that because that wasn't a lie. And that would have been 10 years of my life if I would have tried to take that to trial. And they'd be like, well, you did take the gun to the house. Now, although laws vary state to state, there's a good chance that if someone has been convicted of a felony, they no longer have a right to bear arms or they at least have to get those rights restored. I'm not sharing this case with you to ask you to judge whether Selena is right or wrong. It doesn't really matter. She's already been found guilty of transferring a firearm to a felon and she's already served 19 months. I'm asking if justice was served or not. Moving from never being in trouble at all, never, to transferring a weapon to a felon because you left a gun at your mom's house or your father. Yes. How did that affect your life? Like, what happened to you? Girl. Like, girl. Working at before. Before that, I had I was working at the Mercedes plant. I had just started my job. Had my job at the Mercedes plant for three weeks. Do you hear me? Three weeks. And I know in, like, where you live, when somebody get a job at the Mercedes plant, like, it's really a big deal. It's a hard job to get. Yes. Um, it pays well. They treat their employees right. So that's, like, the job. So, yes. So how many times did you have to apply before you got it? Uh, I was on a waiting list almost, like, six, seven months. I know it's crazy, right? So, okay, then you got this job at the Mercedes plant, and then this happens. And so... When you went to jail, how did it affect your job? Oh, 
I mean, when I went to jail, there wasn't no more stepping out. I ain't come back out of there until 19 and a half months. So you know the job was gone. Where did you end up serving? Did you end up serving your sentence in the same place that your mom did, or were you in a different place? I was at a different place. I met back up with my mom my last two months of being incarcerated. Um, I had to come back to Perry County due to health issues from the jail that I was in. Um, as I told you right before I went in, I had a procedure done uh-huh. or whatever, and I wasn't fully healed and trying to work on a still halfway open wound, you know, and all the scripts had brought that down on me till I'm at this point, I don't talk about it. I, I mean, you know all about it. I ever mentioned it too. Um, uh, I'm a stuff I want to tell you. But to the point that by me being incarcerated and laying on those hard beds and the procedure I had led me to a hysterectomy, they had to let me out of jail. Oh, wow. So they, um, the commissioner and the sheriff at the jail that I was in had got together and got me back to my home jail. Mm-hmm. So when I got back to my home jail, I had started bleeding, blood just started running out of me and wouldn't stop running out of me for like two weeks straight. It wouldn't stop. So they sent me to the hospital. And when I got down to the hospital and the doctor that did my procedure before I went in was on call. So he was like, I disrupted my ovaries and that I was losing it, and that he had to schedule for me to have a surgery done. So when I got out of the hospital, they took me back to the jail, waiting on my scheduled surgery date. They had to let me out to go do the surgery. By the jail not being equipped for the major surgery that I had, I wasn't able to go back. I had to be locked up at home. It's like on house arrest. And so it didn't just take a toll on my life. It took a toll on my kids. My Both of my kids, they, they failed that year in school. Do you hear me? It took a big toll. They're great behind now because of debt. Because of debt. Because of not going through, they only can hear their mother's voice over a phone. They couldn't, they wasn't allowed to see her. I mean, to, the kids can be rude at school and say things that put pressure on other kids. And that what happened with my daughter. Hearing kids say, your mama killed this person. Your, they got bodies out the yard. They lie like they got bodies out our yard. Do you hear me? When they announced us in the newspaper, they were saying that they don't know is it true was there any bodies found or not. Do you hear me? Yeah, that's stressful. There's a lot yes. for a child to endure, for sure. I mean, I'm yes. not to endure, but definitely a child. Yes. 
imagine not, I mean, you had to hear people yelling at you every day. Some younger than you, talking to you like you're an animal. Treat, I mean, if you say the wrong thing, they spray mace in your face. Imagine somebody scripting you down and putting you in a chair and say you in the hallway, booted butt naked. Imagine and when you got to go out to go to court and you got to come back through them bars and they scripting you naked, making you bent over, and they looking all in your butt. I mean, taking all of your pride away from you. Imagine that. Imagine when you take sick and your body is aching and paining. I mean, till you breaking out and sweat so you don't know what's going on with you. Only for them to take you downstairs to the little doctor that they say they got, the nurse that they say they got, and only thing they tell you is, take a Tylenol, you'll be okay. And they charge you $10 for a visit just to tell you to take a Tylenol that you also got to pay $3 for. So imagine if you ain't have nobody on the outside to help you. Every other day you got people coming in with badges going to the lie on yourself. I mean, pushing you to lie on yourself, telling me that they can get my kids tucking away from my sister and my cousin because I was unfit of a mother because I'm trying to kill people that bees that's helpful to her. I want to put it out that she said it, that she can get my kids taken away from me because I'm plotting to kill people that helping people. She can have my kid washed out my life. That's what that helpful sitting there and told me. So, I mean, it, it was a strange, you know? And so you ended up doing 10 and a half months and... Third, 19 and all. I did 10. I need to... I did 10. I need to kill the U.S. Marshals. Federal. Uh, and so what was it like in there? Oh, child. Where I was... It's known as the worst jail in Alabama, where I was incarcerated. Magnets all across the floor, water all across the floor. It was time when it rained, and by we on the upper level, I mean, the rain was coming inside the building. You're literally sitting in puddles of water. I mean, thank God that my First three days where I was incarcerated, I had a, I had the floor at that time. And thank God that God held that rain out till I got in a bed. When they gave me my bunk, 
it rained like several days after that. And magnets and water, I mean, the the guards were rude. I mean, you eat food that's called brake pads, a, a patty that if you literally throw it to your wall, it would stick to the wall, but it was called brake pads. I mean, stale bread. You probably get a piece of bread on your plate that got mold around it. They tell you just break around it. I mean, it was it was the worst experience of my life. So let me ask you, um, you know, you got sick, you um, you were on house arrest, and then the charges were dropped. And then what what happened for you next? Like. How does one pick up their life and put the pieces back together? I did three years on federal probation. I reported for color code um, up to a year and a half. And color code is like when they pull your color and you have to go and take a drug test, Drug right? test, uh-huh, drug and alcohol test. And what did that have to do with your case? Um, federal put me on color code. Like I said, I'm not perfect. I used to smoke marijuana. No, and when they asked me, "Have I ever smoked?" I told them, "Yeah, I smoked the marijuana." You know, so that right there put a flag on me that you know when I do come out that I had to do color code. So I did color code a year and a half of my three years probation. Um, after I came my probation, you know, I'm still pacing pieces back together. I'm pasting, you know, I people when you're trying to get jobs now they look at your record. You're a convicted felony. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to get good jobs when you want them because of your background. I mean a background that you never had, you have now. And people look at that and then when they ask you, are you a convicted felony, you check yes. They want to know the reason why. Then you tell them, oh, for transferring a firearm to a convicted felony. The moment you put the word firearm, you're dangerous. Yeah. So, I mean, I've worked in, like, workforce development, and even normally they'll say a nonviolent offender. And so I know exactly what you're talking about because even sometimes the people who want to give second chances, they want to give second chances to nonviolent offenders. And I can see how just having the word firearm would then make you a violent offender, and that, that definitely even affects second chances. Yes, it do. I mean, I have tried several jobs trying to just walk in through the door. I have got turned down due to that clean, clean urine and all. I mean, and it's my past of that felony. It's in the past. But I have been turned down jobs for that very same reason. You know, good jobs that I could have had. They took the opportunity. So I took the next step. I drove to Montgomery, Alabama. I went in and put in for a pardon. I called and checked on my pardon last month. And I put in this part in 2015. I called and checked on my part. 
I mean, they even not even have started on me yet. She said, this is so long. Wow. So, I mean, it's hard. It's yeah. it's hard when you try when you when you got to provide. You went through all of this, like you took the the federal. You had to plead guilty. You, you did the nineteen months. You went into all these jails. Like, what did you learn from this? Like, what do you take from all of this? What What do you think this is for you? I learned never take life for granted. I learned to live life as it is. I also learned that everybody that smiles in your face is not for you. I mean, now I'm at the point now that I know how to smile and keep going. I also know that regardless of what my cousin does, I don't hate him. I don't. I mean, actually, I'm not going to say that it may my family weaker, but it did point out some facts in life that when we argue with each other, let's not try to take it to another level to continue to hurt each other. Now, when our family have, like, disagreements now, we know how for to take it. Now that we know how for to take it, we're, we're distant. True enough now, we distant. I mean, and he when he do come in town, he call let us know he's here and we you know, we see him. But life now is it's hard. It's hard now, it's hard. It's hard because once your name been stained and you go places and they turn you down. Or even when you get stopped by the state trooper, me speaking in general, I got stopped by the state trooper. And when he ran my name, he came back and asked me, girl, what you been doing? And I looked at him, I said, what do you mean? He smiled. He said, who you tried to kill? I said, sir, that still show up on me? He said, yeah, it shows up. And the way he looked it at me when he said, yeah, it shows up, it was a look that showed, like, he judged at me without knowing me. And he was trying to talk to me all rough. He was like, you're not above the law. You know, you must have had your seat that far. Well, let me ask you this question. What did he pull you over for in the first place? I didn't have my seat up on. Okay. He told me, you're not above the law. You're supposed to have your seat up on. And I looked at him and I said, yes, sir. I said, I forgot to put it on. I said, but I did try to grab and put it on when I saw you. Well, that's not the time to put it on. I said, yes, sir, I understand. I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, you going to write me a ticket? And he said, yeah, um, let me see your insurance. Give me your license insurance. I said, yes, sir. So I pulled it out to him. I was still yes, sir, in him. And when he walked to the car and came back with my ticket, right, mm-hmm. he going to say, you know what? What happened with that? 
Because I was praying the whole time he was walking out. I had a little warning for him for $190. I suppose went down there and paid on old tickets. So um, I was praying when he walked out. He came back and he said, uh, I meant to ask you, what, what was it with that? And I told him, I said, you said, I said, you said it because of whether you see underneath it. I said, but I was accused of plenty of state troopers. I say when they came, the state troopers like that, we were so harmful that everybody looked at us like we was dead. I say they was, they even say they found bodies at my yard. He looked down at me. He seen that I was, I had tears in my eyes when I was talking to him because I felt he had judged me looking in his white man's face and he already had red in his face. I felt he had judged me. That man took that ticket up. And he told me, looks can be deceiving. He saw that I thought he was racist. He told me, he threw that ticket up in front of me. He said, looks can be deceiving. He said, you judged me like I judged you. He showed me then that everybody that wear them badges is not dirty. He showed me then that everybody that's in them badges is not what people proclaim them to be. He showed me that. Thanks for listening. We will definitely be revisiting Selena's case in the future this season. But for now, I'd just love to hear your thoughts on the case. Do you feel that justice was served or not? Why or why not? If you want to talk more about the case, join me in the Justice or Not Facebook group. I'd love to have you. Be sure to rate the podcast and share it if it's worth it. And follow me at Nappy Thoughts across all platforms. This is an Aisha Adams Media production. I can't do it.